Shabbat Kufchov test today's amazing email comes from Eitan Ugarek. Very long email, just read a couple parts of it, and he says, I want to thank you and your family for all the hard work you put in. The fact you have on so many people's lives is amazing. The daf has mamish changed slash saved my life. It helps me go against my nature, which is being consistently inconsistent. And when he was learning himself his brachas, he said every single word. One of the last things his mother told his father is, go learn the daf with Eitan. Your mother's neshama should have an aliyah. We continue to discuss the halachas of a woman who gives birth. As long as her womb is open, says Rav Sheshes, you mechal Shabbos on her, even if she doesn't request. But if she says, do not, you're not mechal Shabbos. Once her womb is closed, the Gemara is going to describe what that is, you're not mechal Shabbos on her, even if she requests. Marzutra is much more mekel, and therefore we go with Marzutra, because Suffolk nefashes lakal. He says, as long as the womb is open, even if she denies help, you give her help. Once her womb is closed, even if she asked for help, you give her, not like Rav Shesha says that if she asks for help, you don't give her. What does it mean that her womb is open? Three sheets. According to Abayi, when she sits down on a stool, according to Ravuna, when she has dam, according to Yeshayimrim, when her friends help her along to walk. What does it mean that the womb is closed? There are three stages. From birth until three days, even if she says, I don't want help, you give her help, like Maris Zutra. Yimachal Shabbos. From three days to seven days, if she requests help, we give it to her. And from seven to thirty, even if she asks for help, she's no better than a chayla shemisakona. You're not mechal shabbos. However, a guy could do the malacha for her. Shmuel says a woman who gave birth should not go to the mikvah until after thirty days, unless her husband is there and he could warm her. The Gemara tells us a story that Rav Chizda's wife, Rav's wife, who is Rav Chizda's daughter didn't go by this, and she went to the mikvah within 30 days, and she became sick. So they had to carry her and her bed all the way through Rav to Vedisa, so that he could warm her. Shmuel says, you make you light a fire for a woman who gave birth, and for somebody who lets blood, and now we're going to go into a whole sugya of bloodletting. And every, if Rashi says, if you make a fire for somebody who let blood, so certainly for any sick person, even in the summer. The Gemara tells us that Shmuel, Rabbi Yehud and Rabbah all burnt their expensive furniture in order to make a fire after they led blood. And the concept of Baltashchus doesn't apply here because Baltashchus of your body, not to ruin your body, is more important than not to be mashchus, your furniture. We know that if somebody walks barefoot, in other words, he can't afford shoes, that's a tremendous embarrassment. So the halacha is you should sell even the beans in your house to buy shoes. Yet, when it comes to bloodletting, and you have nothing else but a pair of shoes, sell your shoes so you can have a meal after you let blood, because it's very dangerous if you don't. Rabbi Nachman used to tell his students, tell your wives that I'm coming for a meal. And like this, they'll make a big meal, and you'll have a lot what to eat. If a person cannot afford wine, the Gemara says, this is one case where you're allowed to do trickery. You're going to a wine store, you say, I'd like to purchase wine, give me a taste. And then you give them a coin that's rubbed out, and they say, well, we don't accept that coin. So you go to the next store, you do it seven times until you drink a whole revius. If you don't even have that, then you could eat seven black dates, smear a little oil on your temple, lay in the sun. The Gemara tells us, Shmuel laid in the sun, and Avlet said, what are you doing? Sun rays are bad for your health. So he said, oh no, but I let blood. But what really was going on, it was the Kufa of, Nis, of Tammuz. There's one day in the year that the sun is really beneficial throughout the entire day. If a person is not careful about the su'uda that he's supposed to eat after bloodletting, Hakash Baruch Hu won't have Rahmanasim and won't give him parnas. So what is the su'uda? According to Rav, you eat meat to replenish the life that's lost in a person. According to Shmuel, you drink red wine. It's the red that the body's missing. And they would make for Shmuel spleen dish because it's red.
the Gemara tells us that after the bloodletting should be done in a room that there's no wind. In fact, Shmuel would go into a room that had a 22 and a half tefach wide wall, which is about 7 feet wide, and one day after bloodletting, he realized something was wrong, and he checked the wall and he saw that one and a half tefachim were missing. Rabbi Yochanan would drink enough wine until the smell of wine would come out of his ears. Rav Nachman would drink enough wine until his spleen was literally floating in wine. Rabbi Yosef, until wine would come out of the bloodletting wound. Rava would search for wine from a tree that was three years old. If a person doesn't eat immediately after bloodletting, it's very dangerous. If that person encounters a dead person, his face will turn green. If he encounters a murderer, he will die. And if he encounters a pig, he'll get saras. There are five things that bring a person closer to death than to life. And they are, if a person stands up quickly, right after he eats, drinks, sleeps, bloodlets, and tashmish. A person should do bloodletting on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. Not on Monday and Thursday. That's when the bezin is open down here, and the bezin shamal is open up there, and they coincide, and it's bad news. Unless, of course, a person has chosavis, then he could do bloodletting on Monday and Thursday. On Tuesday, you don't want to bloodlet, because that's when Mars rules on an even hour. And since Mars is in charge of cherev and dever, and together with bloodletting, that's not a good combination. On Friday, even though Mars rules on an even hour, since people already made it a minug, because of the fish that they eat, you're supposed to eat fish after bloodletting, and they didn't have money, they would eat the fish from Shabbos, it became a minug, so Shomer Psalm Hashem Hashem watches over the foolish. It's very dangerous to bloodlet on a Wednesday, which falls out on the 4th day of the month, the 14th day of the month, and the 24th day of the month, and on a Wednesday that doesn't have 4 days left to the month. It's dangerous to let blood on the third day of the after Rishchidosh on the on Rishchidosh and the second day of the month is weakens the body. Erev Yantav weakens the body. Erev Shavuos is a danger because there's a wind called Tavayach that threatened Klai Yisrael by Matan Torah. That same wind could threaten us today. Every year it's a new Kabbalah's Torah from Anu. And therefore we made a Gzeira on all Yom Tavim Erev Yantav that you shouldn't let blood it's a Sakana. If a person eats wheat and then he does bloodletting the bloodletting won't do any benefit for him. However, he will lose, it will make him lighter. A person should drink immediately after bloodletting, and if he drinks afterwards, the Gemara's Mesubic is it just pariv, or it's actually dangerous. A person should eat, forever long it takes him to walk a half a mil, have a little meal. The Gemara's Mesubic, what if he eats earlier or later? Is that pariv, or that's really dangerous for him? Rav used to announce, if a person is selling a hundred gourds for one zuz, or a hundred heads for one zuz, buy them, it has some nutritional value. But if somebody sells a hundred lips for one zuz, don't buy them as zero nutritional value. The Gemara says, now we understand why, the Benazman and the days that Chacham take off from learning, are considered, are called the days of the lips, because they are worthless. They didn't accomplish anything then. In order to warm up a baby, they would bury the placenta, if they were princesses, in oil, rich women in wool, poor women in rags. Rav says, I love the Yosi, that you cut the umbilical cord, and Chacham agree that if it's twins, you definitely cut the umbilical cord, because they pull away from each other, and it's dangerous. HaGosh says in the Pasuk in Yecheskel, that Kaisrael doesn't have a karsat type, and they're like a mother who gave birth to a baby girl, and abandoned her daughter. And from this we learn five halachas about giving birth. First of all, HaGosh says they 
delivered the baby. So you see you're allowed to deliver a baby on Shabbos. It says they didn't wash the baby. So you see you're allowed to wash the baby on Shabbos. They didn't salt the baby. You're allowed to salt. They didn't swaddle the baby. So you see you can swaddle. They didn't cut the umbilical cord. You see you're allowed to cut the umbilical cord. With that we finish. Perek Mifanim. Have a wonderful day.